Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Down in the Valley podcast. I'm Todd Golden, sports editor and Indiana State beat writer, as I learned how to speak English, for the Terre Haute Tribune Star and TribStar.com. We are to episode four already, um, and it's being recorded in the fabulous Todd Golden Studios in Terre Haute. Uh, it's November 7th. Uh, blah, blah, blah. You already know all of that. So uh, I want to get right to it because this week... Uh, we are going to be exclusively talking about basketball and my thoughts on the uh, Missouri Valley Conference season to be. Um, as I said, I'm recording this on November 7th, and so I can't really say with all honesty that this is a preseason preview because um, about half the league has already played at least one game or one game. So. Indiana State starts last among the Valley teams. I believe Evansville also starts on Saturday. Um, Sycamore's open at Dayton on Saturday. So it's almost as if my own kind of internal body clock is uh, off from everybody else. Um, Didn't really kind of pivot to basketball until this week, really. I've been focused on football. So um, it's almost like I live on the West Coast uh, and everybody else is on the East Coast and we're starting... Uh, later than everybody else, at least mentally for me. So it doesn't even feel like it should be basketball season yet, but college basketball starts earlier than it used to, but here we are. So it's time to get cracking, and uh, let's go into a deep dive into into all the teams in the Valley and some of the principles and players and expectations and uh, hopes, dreams, desires that may or may not happen over the course of the year for the 10 Valley teams. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to go in reverse order of how I picked the teams in the preseason poll. Uh, We'll talk about the contributors we know uh, that have played in the past. We'll talk about who each team lost. We'll talk about a few new guys, or a lot of new guys, depending on which uh, school we're talking about. And we'll also talk about whether a team has some size. Um, You know, know, in positionless basketball, the way it's developing, you know, you still need at least one or two big guys to... Um, you know, succeed. So we'll talk about some guys who can, uh, who are tall or, or large or wide or both. Um, and we'll talk about proven shooters. I think, you know, every team is going to have a few shooters. It's a matter of whether they've proven they can uh, uh, shoot in the valley or not. So we'll do that and then we'll have some general thoughts on each team. So that's the format. And uh, let's get started with my 10th place pick in the preseason poll, and that would be Valparaiso. And uh, we'll go into why I picked them 10th in a little bit. But here's some facts. Uh, The Crusaders were 15-18 and overall last year. They tied with Indiana State for 8th in the Valley. Um, The contributors we know coming back for the Crusaders... um, there's guard uh, Ryan Fazekas, who averaged 11.8 points per game last year. Good shooter. Had a little bit of trouble staying healthy last year, but when he uh, was healthy, he was uh, he was valuable. Um, there's guard Javon Freeman-Liberty, I believe is what he's going by now. Um, last year, we kind of just refer, most of the league referred to him just as Javon Freeman. Um, not sure uh, if we were inaccurate or or, or what, but... Um, anyway, really good player. Uh, averaged 11 points and 4.3 rebounds last year. Really versatile. Um, can drive the lane. Uh, can you know use his body to create some things. Um, he actually had initially put in a transfer request to leave Valpo, but 
uh, ultimately came back, and that's a good thing for um, the Crusaders. So very valuable player. Um, they have forward uh, Malik McMillan back. He averaged 2.8 points per game last year. A little bit, you know, a very talented player, but um, didn't always show it. So I'm sure they're hoping for more consistency out of him this year. Point guard uh, Daniel Sackey is back. He averaged 4.1 points per game. I like Sackey. He's a kind of a, a, a lightning or a water bug of a player. Just really quick, uh, really intense, uh, good good player to have on the team. So uh, Sackey's back, and he'll probably get more minutes this year. And uh, guard John Kaiser, who averaged 2.3 points per game, is also back. So those are the contributors we know. Uh, Valpo lost some important guys. Um, chief among them is center Derek Smits, who's now at Butler. Um, that's a big loss because he took a leap forward in his uh, play last year. And while he wasn't, you know, 100% consistent, he was significantly improved from the year before. So that's a, that's a pretty heavy-duty loss for Valpo. Uh, they lost guard Marcus Golder. They lost guard Bakari Evelyn. Uh, they lost Dion Lavender, who would have they would have lost anyway. He was a, a graduate transfer, and they also lost. And I hope I'm saying this right. I I have to concentrate on pronunciations now, which I typically don't in my writing. But um, uh, Jame Sarola, hopefully, God, I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, he was Smith's backup, but kind of a valuable player for Valpo last year. Um, good defense, really good defender. Um, averaged 4.1 points per game, but uh, but Valpo was tough to score on in the paint last year, so they lost uh, their two uh, rim-protecting big guys uh, that they had. So those are some uh, important players that Valparaiso lost. Some of their new guys include, I'm not going to name everybody, but uh, they have uh, a guard who, who, if you know your ISU basketball, is a blast from the past. Uh, Nick Robinson from Chicago now... I had forgotten all about Nick Robinson, but he committed to ISU way back in 2015. He committed at the same time um, as Jordan Barnes. Um, I went back. I knew the name, and I knew he'd been floating around a little bit. Um, but he um, he had some, the way I reported it at the, at the time, some there were some legal difficulties in his transfer papers. And then his star kind of rose a little bit in the interim. And he pulled out of his commitment. Um, they never did get an LOI from Nick Robinson, I don't think. Um, but by January of that year, he had uh, reopened his commitment, and uh, now he's floated back to Valparaiso. So, and he played the other night against in, in Valpo's uh, one-point win over Toledo. So, uh, if you have a long memory and uh, you know your ISU basketball, that's a sycamore that could have been. Um, they also have play, who somebody who played prominently against the Rockets on Tuesday is uh, guard Donovan Clay. Do the Crusaders have size? Uh, the big guy they have, and again, this is another name I should have looked up before I did the podcast, but um, they have 6'10", Emil Fries Villian, I think is how you say it. Um, untested player, don't know a whole lot about him, but uh, that's their biggest player. Um, proven shooting, uh, Fazekas shot 43.2% from three last year, so he can shoot it. Past that, not a whole lot of proven shooters. I mean, Freeman, I think, was floating right around 30% from three-point range. Um, past that, uh, nobody that has proven themselves yet. I'm, I know Valpo fans would probably could probably uh, point out some uh, freshmen or transfers that um, that have the ability to shoot. But we're only talking about guys who have done it in the Valley. So Fazekas is the one guy. So on Valpo, I, I picked the last, I picked the Crusaders last. I, I do think they could do better than that. Um, 
Valpo is in a strange place in terms of their perception right now in the Valley because most of the MVC programs are tigers whose stripes we know, for lack of a better way to put it. We know what we're going to get most of the time out of northern Iowa. We know what we're going to get most of the time out of Indiana State. We know what we're going to get out of Illinois State. These programs are established and they've been around and they have coaches who've been there for a long time. And so we, we know a lot about them and their characteristics over the years. We don't know that yet about Valparaiso in terms of how they relate to the Valley. They've only been in for two years and it's been, you know, to some degree tumultuous uh, two years. When they jumped in um, two seasons ago, um, you know, they, they kind of sunk a little bit. They, they weren't ready to come into the league. They were a lot like when Loyola came in out of the Horizon League. Um, and last year they showed some promise early, um, kind of trailed away late and then of course um, in the offseason had you know on what could have been a very experienced promising team a lot you know several of those guys I mentioned who were lost transferred out so um, so the impression that the Crusaders have made in their two seasons have been you know if from the outside looking in a little bit underwhelming um, that doesn't mean they're not going to get their act together but you know we can only go on what we know and what we know so far is that it's been a little bit of a difficult transition for Valpo. So, um, you know, you look back and, and for those of us who've been around the league for a long time, uh, you know, you can extrapolate Valpo's experience to Loyola's and they're in a different place, uh, going into year three, um, than Loyola was in their third year. By the time Loyola got to year three, they had struggled as well in their first two years in the Valley. But they had a little bit more stability. I think Porter Moser, um, in effect, kind of, you know, without stating it, treated Loyola almost as if it were an expansion team, so to speak. And by year three, they had some of the pieces in place, guys like Milton Doyle, et cetera, who, um, you know, were were the foundation of their what became a Final Four team. So is Valpo there? I guess we'll find out this year. It, it doesn't seem like it from the outside coming in, but... Um, you know, Matt Lodich, I think, believes, you know, that this team with a bunch of guys who are bought in uh, can make some progress in the league this year. So, um, you know, we he, he and he has a lot to prove. He has to get this the, not only the, 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 the Crusaders to win on the floor. Obviously, that's the most important thing, but he has to prov- prove he can provide some stability to this program. So, um you know, and he has to prove that he can take a maximum advantage of the talent he has. Um, it's, you know, it's never a good sign when you have guys, you know, the transfers are the way of the world right now in college basketball, but you don't want to see an exodus of players that, the likes of which Valpo had last year. So I think Valpo has to finish higher up the Valley food chain to prove to everyone that, you know, the stripes that have defined Valpo so far can be changed. Um, to go with the metaphor I was going with earlier. So I think they have the talent to move up. I, I don't feel great about picking them last. Um, but again, they have to prove that they can uh, that they can do better than that. So to date, in the Valley anyway, uh, Valparaiso hasn't done that yet. So, so they're my last place pick. I think they could be better. Certainly their win over Toledo on Tuesday is a, is a, is a, you know, is a, is a good, good sign. Uh, but we'll see what happens over the course of the season. So 
Moving on, my ninth place pick is Southern Illinois. And uh, Saluki's last year, with a very experienced team, uh, were 17 and 15 overall. They tied for third in the Valley with um, Missouri State. They're the only team that made a coaching change this year. Barry Henson, uh, his contract was not renewed, and Brian Mullins, former SIU point guard, was hired as his replacement. We'll get to Brian in a second. Um, the contributors we know, not a whole lot. Um, guard Aaron Cook is back, who's absolutely a sycamore killer, along with his now-graduated buddy, Sean Lloyd. Those guys just, oh man, they eat the sycamores alive, it seems like. But uh, anyway, he averaged ten and a half points last year. Guard Eric McGill is back, nine and a half points, and those are really about it. Brandon Gooch or Brendan Gooch, excuse me, uh, averaged one and a half points last year. So those are really the only two guys that we know of um, that have proven themselves at the Valley. Players lost. It's a long list. Uh, Armand Fletcher, longtime Saluki, who averaged sixteen and a half points last year, he's gone. Um, Post player Kavion Pippen, nice player, uh, physical player, averaged 12.8 points last year. He's gone. The aforementioned Sean Lloyd, also gone. 10.8 last year. Marcus Bartley, 5.1. Teak Bull, who um, was pretty good a couple years ago before he got hurt, tried to come back last year, wasn't as good, but but good player when he was healthy. Big big player, physical player. Uh, he's gone. So a lot of new players, and SIU played. Uh, Division Three Illinois Wesleyan on Tuesday and beat them up down in Carbondale. But um, some of the guys who played significant minutes were, and again, hopefully I'm not butchering these pronunciations, but uh, forward Marcus Damask, uh, guard Harwin Francois, center Barrett Benson, guard Lance Jones, and guard Trent Brown all played uh, decent minutes against Illinois Wesleyan. Again, it was a blowout, so I'm sure a lot of guys got minutes, but um, anyway, those were some of the guys who played. Size in this team, um, Benson is 6'10", and uh, another new player, Stevan, I hope I'm, again, I hate to keep mentioning pronunciations, but Stevan Jeremich, I think I'm getting that right, he's 6'11", so those are some big guys on the Salukis. Proven shooters, um, McGill shot 40% from three-point range last year, uh, Cook shot 34% from three-point range, so both guards uh, could shoot it a little bit so my thoughts on the Salukis I mean I've been around the block a few times in the valley um, Brian Mullins becomes the second former valley player I've in my period of coverage which dates to 2004 05 season uh, to become a, a head coach Dana Ford was the first he played at Illinois State back in those days um, so anyone who's been around the block for as long as I have knows what a heady player and substantial influence Brian Mullins was uh, in in the salad days of the Salukis back in the 2000s when they were the uh, standard bearer of the league. Uh, Mullins was a big reason why. He uh, was not flashy. He didn't have great stats, but he was just a good leader, just a great floor general. Never, ever made, very rarely made mistakes on the floor. Uh, just such a smooth and smart player and uh, real calming influence for those Saluki teams that were uh, you know, really good in the mid 2000s. So, um, his reputation is very high in in Valley circles, and it's why his hire down there in Carbondale is being, you know, lauded by those, you know, certainly within the ISU community who remember him as a player and remember how good he was. 
and outside of it from those of us who remember um, him, you know, from a, an opposing point of view. So the point is he has gravitas and it's not just because he's a former Saluki. Um, Mullins was kind of sort of the guy, if you listen to, you know, the, the perception is, is that he was kind of the guy behind the guy up at Loyola where he was uh, one of Porter Moser's primary assistants. So his credentials go, you know, beyond just being the hometown boy done good. Um, Mullins has, um, you know, been on a kind of a coaching trajectory from from the time he, his playing career ended. So what will that mean right away? Uh, jury's out on that, of course. Um, there's not a lot of proven talent. Um, we mentioned Cook. We mentioned McGill. Um, but nearly everyone else is, you know, either played very little. There's a couple returning players I didn't mention just because uh, – you know they were they they hardly played, and a significant amount of Salukis haven't played at, at you know at, in the valley at all. Um, there's ten newcomers uh, on the roster, and while Missouri State and Drake pulled it together last year, you know most of the time when you have that that many newcomers, it's going to be uh, uphill climb. Um, I'm curious to see what Mullen's style will be. Um, when he played at SIU, that was when Chris Lowry was coaching. They basically ran a motion offense. Um, but I'm curious to see what his influences have been since then and to see how SIU plays. Um, you know, I was so used to Barry's way of running offense, which gave the Sycamores fits. But um, it'll be interesting to see uh, the Salukis kind of run it in a different way. Um, so those are some things I wonder about. Just generally, I don't. I don't think there's much pressure down in Carbondale. I think the fans seem to be bought in. They seem to be more or less unified on this hire. Uh, it's a tough audience down there at Southern. They can be. Uh, they remember the good old days of the 2000s and a few other winning eras, and they're demanding down there. And it's uh, something I'm sure Brian Mullins is well aware of. So, um, you know, it's a different world. We saw the quick turnarounds that were made at Missouri State and Drake last year, and it shows that a smart approach can pay immediate dividends if you can maximize the talent you have. Um, is Mullins capable of that? I wouldn't bet against him, not based on his track record. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I did pick the Salukis ahead of uh, Valparaiso, even though the Crusaders have a few more proven players back. I, I think Mullins is a good hire, and um, I think eventually he's going to put the Salukis back on the track that they want to be on. So uh, interesting situation down in Carbondale. Let's move on to my eighth place pick, which after tonight's game I'm kind of nervous about. But uh, I picked Illinois State eighth, and um, just a few facts. They were 17-16 and 16 last year. That's kind of a theme going forward. Everybody in the Valley, almost everybody, except for maybe Drake and, and, and Bradley and Missouri State, everybody floated right above or below 500. It was such a mediocre year last year. But anyway, Redbirds tied for fifth with several other teams. The contributors we know, and this is the primary reason why I picked them eighth, not a lot. Um, guard Zach Copeland is the main, most productive player from last year who's back. He averaged 9.3 points per game last year. Matt Chastain is back. He didn't play uh, consistently last year, but he's back on the roster of guard. Um, one of the intriguing players they have back who didn't play at all last year because of injury is uh, forward uh, Taylor uh, Bruninga, who averaged 4.9 points per game and kind of a, a key reserve role for the Redbirds two years ago. Uh, he's a good piece to have back. That's uh, 
almost like a free scholarship for Illinois State. Solid player, a big guy who can spread the floor, um, good player. So that's uh, an encouraging, um, um, it's encouraging that he was able to return from his injury. And a guy who looked pretty good in Illinois State's 79-72 win over Belmont, who is a returning player who didn't play much last year, is forward uh, Ray um, Adawu, I think is how it's pronounced. Again, apologies for any pronunciation screw-ups on my part. Um, nice player. He looked good against Belmont. Um, physical, kind of, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's as big as Phil Fain was, but uh nice player, so and played a lot of minutes uh, against uh, against Belmont. So those are uh, the contributors that we, we know that are, are back. Uh, players who are lost, well, the big three right off the bat. I mean, Malik Yarborough um, averaged 16.7 points. Phil Fain was, I, li- I really liked Phil Fain. He's, he just, just went down there and kicked ass. But uh, 15.9 points per game. I didn't list his rebounds when I put my notes together, but he, really good rebounder. Um, just a you know one of the better physical players that's been in the valley recently, and uh, and guard Keyshawn Evans. All three of those guys have been big were big contributors to some good Illinois State teams through their careers and uh, their losses significant. Also lost John or John Josh Jefferson averaged eight point seven points per game last year and guard William Tinsley. A lot of new faces on the Redbirds. Uh, Wichita State transfer Ricky Torres is one of them. Uh, forward Keith Fisher the third. He's a bigger guy. Uh, guard J.C. Hillsman. Guard D.J. Horn. Guard Dietrich, Dietrich Boyd. A uh, player that they're very excited about. Uh, transfer um, Abdu Njai. Forward. Big guy. And guard Antonio Reeves. All of those guys played uh, significant minutes against Belmont um, tonight, I guess. I'm recording this just after midnight. So um, all will be called upon again. Size-wise, um, Njai and Idowu are both about 6'9". Uh, so is Keith Fishers in that neighborhood and Bruniga as well. But I mentioned Bruniga or Bruninga. Gosh, I, I'm going to butcher so many names in this. But um, is is a, is a, he, he spreads the floor. So some guys with some size. Proven shooting, not much from last year, but Bruninga shot 35% from three uh, when he played two years ago. So uh, as far as the Redbirds are concerned, they are one of the hardest teams to figure out. Um, in the Dan Muller era, which is approaching 10 years now, I think. Uh, I think he's in his ninth year, maybe. Now, the Redbirds have been a mixed bag and and kind of weird. Um they defy expectations almost every year, regardless of whether those expectations are bad or good. Uh, last year, everybody thought Illinois State would be pretty good, and they were kind of disappointing. Uh, there's been other years where you thought they would be average, and they were really good. So it makes Illinois State really hard to figure out and kind of hard to trust um, you know, on a year-to-year basis, if I'm being honest about it. And, uh, you know, they always have the capability. They always have a lot of athletes every year to be a contender in the Valley, but but they aren't always a contender. So kind of hard to figure out. Uh, probably frustrating for Dan Muller, I would think. Um, and uh, But one of the advantages I think they have this year um, is, is the fact that they are in a little bit inexperienced. Um, it's one of the least proven teams uh, that they've had in the Muller era. Um, and I think that might be a good thing for this team. Um, I feel like they're kind of all in the same boat 
you know, nobody is ahead of one another in terms of the pecking order of playing time necessarily or experience or I'm a senior who's trying to show, you know, what I could do at the next level. I feel like from afar that this team might have a little bit more unity of purpose than some of the other Redbirds teams have had. Um, certainly that was evident when they played Belmont um, uh, on Wednesday as, uh, first of all, they lit Belmont up in the second half. I think they scored 53 points, but what I liked is they were defending too. And Illinois State's defense has been alternately pretty good and alternately kind of indifferent over the years. So um, a lot of good signs in that game, but that's just one game too. I mean, you don't want to go crazy with that. So um what I do know is that they're very excited about uh, their new players like NGI, who, who did look good against Belmont. Um, didn't see as much of Torres. I didn't get to watch the whole game. I had other things to do, but uh, certainly his Wichita State um, lineage uh, speaks well. So, you know, seven players played, new players played at least 10 minutes against Belmont. So, there's going to be growing pains, there's going to be good times, there's going to be bad times. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Redbirds either straighten out their learning curve or, or you know, curve around, you know, up and down throughout the course of the season. So um, I think this team has a really high upside. I think they could do better than eighth, certainly. Um, and I think eventually they, you know, this this group of players, you know, may lead Illinois State to break their... And see a tournament drought someday that lasts back into the 1990s. So we'll see. But based on what we do know at this point, um, it's kind of hard to pick the Redbirds any higher than this because the teams ahead of them um, have more experience or more proven talent. So I'm a big believer in going with what you know and what's been proven. And, you know, with a roster full of um, newer players, whether they're promising or not, um, it's hard for me to pick Illinois State any higher than eighth. So we'll see what happens. I, I have a feeling they may finish higher than that. But um, right now, based on what we know, they're in eighth. So let's move on to seventh. And that seventh place team would be Evansville. Evansville last year was 11-21 and 21 overall. They finished last in the Valley in Walter McCarty's first year with a pretty inexperienced team. Uh, the contributors we know coming back are guard K.J. Riley, averaged 13.6 points per game last year, good all-around player. Uh, John Hall is back, averaged 9 points per game last year. Guard Noah Friederking averaged 6.3. A guard Evan Kuhlman, 6.2. Uh, and then another couple of guards, uh, Shamar Givens and guard Juwan Newton are also back. So a lot of good, a lot of players back who played last year. Uh, gone from last year's team, Marty Hill averaged 11.5 points per game. Um, was a good shooter for the for the Aces last year. A uh, guy who they actually lost right before the Valley Tournament or who played most of the year, I believe they lost him for academic reasons, uh, was guard Shea Feehan, good shooter, 9.8 points per game. And then Denias Hatkevichus, the center of uh, Marty's last Lithuanian connection, uh, averaged 6.7 points per game, and you have no idea how many... This is like take six, five, just because I absolutely was killing his name. So um, I finally found the pronunciation guide from Evansville's website so those are the guys that the Aces lost um, what they're high about are the guys that they have coming in um, chief among them is forward DeAndre Williams a highly touted recruit out of Texas uh, who jumps into the fold this year 6'9 forward um, they have Sam, guard Sam Cunliffe who spent some time at Arizona State spent a 
tiny bit of time at Kansas. Uh, he's in the fold and eligible to play this year. Um, another transfer forward, uh, Peace Ilgoma. I think I'm saying that right from Pitt. Um, he comes in 6'9 as well. Um, and then Marcus Henderson and Tomasi Gilgis Alexander are some other newcomers who are expected to contribute this year for Evansville. Um, do they have size? Um, well, with Illigoma and Williams, they're both 6'9, but both should be a little bit more um, physical and athletic than some of the bigger guys that Evansville has had in the recent past. Proven shooters, Freighter King shot 38% from three last year. Hall was uh, 35.7, and then Kuhlman and Givens were both 31. So not outstanding, but a decent amount of shooters to uh, keep defenses honest. So, you know, the kind of the vibe around Evansville was, you know, to wait around, let Mar- let Walter McCarty sort the roster out in year one, and uh, with the transfers they have coming in, year two would be a lot better. And... Um, you know, and and that may very well end up being the case. There's quite a bit of reason to be optimistic about the Aces. Um, they're going to be able to throw more talent on the floor. In some respects, they're a lot like the Sycamores, um, though with guys who are transferred in from, you know, some pretty prominent programs uh, in the respect that they feel like they have an infusion of talent, and they very well might. Um, you know, there's some intriguing pieces. Uh, I think... Williams and Illigoma are going to be uh, the kind of impactful players in the paint, physical, athletic, impactful players that they haven't had in quite a while. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how they develop. Uh, K.J. Riley was already really good last year. And then I think Frieder King, Kuhlman, and Givens, and and Newton, um, and John Hall, who I didn't mention, um, none of them are spectacular but they're good glue guys to have um and uh you need guys like that to uh, make some progress so a lot of reason to you know to feel like the evansville can uh, certainly do better than last place um and you know you might even pick them higher but the problem is is that this group hasn't really proven anything yet and until they do it's kind of hard to get optimistic about them um they did start 10 and 2 a year ago but then only won seven games after that and uh uh, kind of fell off competitively in the last half of Valley play. So, um, you know, it's hard to go roll with a team that hasn't had some proven success. Uh, certainly Evansville is capable of turning that around this year. Um, but until they do, it's hard to pick them any higher than uh, seventh place. So we'll see what happens. Certainly they have some talent that's capable of maybe making a jump like Drake or Missouri State did last year. So um, interesting times. It's good to see that people are on board down in Evansville despite having a losing season last year the enthusiasm was great and in that respect the McCarty hire was was a big plus uh for UE as uh seemed like the city of Evansville really got excited about the Aces again last year so maybe they'll have some wins to get excited about this year we'll see they're certainly capable of uh certainly winning more than 11 uh this season so so moving on to sixth place, and that would be the Indiana State Sycamores, uh, the team I cover. Last year, ISU was 15-16. and 16. They tied with Valpo for eighth place in the league. Disappointing performance after you know, a relatively good non-conference um, season for the Sycamores last year. A lot of contributors we know. And now, granted, I, have to do, I do have to say this for any fans that are listening outside of the Indiana State fan base. Um, these contributors we know are some that you know 
we know because our home fans know them. So let's get that out of the way, that kind of disclaimer first. But anyway, everybody should know about uh, Tyreek Key. Averaged 17.4 points last year. Took a big leap forward. Um, can do a lot of things. Uh, could score in a lot of different ways. Had a great year last year and was first team preseason All-Valley. Um, guard Jordan Barnes is back for his senior year. Averaged 14.6 points last year. Tough year, though, for Jordan because um, the league kind of figured out how to defend him last year, and by the time he entered Valley play, he just went into a deep three-point shooting slump. Um, you know, a year after shooting, you know, close to 50% from three-point range, he was down in the 20s last year in Valley play, and um, ISU has to find a way for him to, you know, get his shooting groove back because when he's shooting, he can be um, very dangerous. Uh, Cooper Nice is back. Now, the good news is they kind of lost in the fact that Jordan Barnes um, struggled from three last year is that by the second half of the Valley season last year, Nice started shooting really well from three-point range. So, in effect, they almost, I can't say he replaced Barnes's uh, production, but he struggled to start his, val- his ISU career. Most new players do. Uh, but Nice kind of started to figure it out, at least offensively, towards the end of last year. He just needs to play better defense. Um, guard Christian Williams is back, and um, he averaged 7.9 points per game last year. Versatile threat, can score at times, can distribute at times, can rebound at times. So talked to Christian today, and what he feels good about is that he feels healthy this year. He still felt a little bit after his hip injury that he had coming into ISU didn't feel 100% necessarily last year. Said he feels 100% this year. So that's good news for the Sycamores. Um, post player Bronson Kessinger, seniors back, 6.1 points per game last year. Good blue collar player. Um, Diavion Washington is back last year. Had some good moments uh, in kind of the irregular playing time he got last year. And walk on Tyshawn Martin is back uh, last year. Got a good glue guy for this team. Sycamores lost a center of Andre Rickman, averaged 6.3 last year. Um, graduate transfer, Alante Holston, 4.1. Uh, athletic forward guard, Clayton Hughes, averaged 4 points per game last year. He transferred to Southern Indiana. And forward Devin Thomas, uh, who averaged 3.7 points, is gone. So no big contributors lost by the Sycamores. New guys, and there's several of them. There was point guard Cam Baycoat. Um, who's a transfer from Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, has looked good in practice so far. Kind of a different player than Jordan Barnes or Tyreek Key or Christian Williams. They're, they're ball handlers. He's more of a traditional distributing point guard and a uh, really intense guy. Uh, they have center Chris Agbo, who's a big, bulky center, who's uh, you know going to be able to bang with some bigger guys down in the lane this year so kind of an element that ISU didn't have last year so think of somebody like Brandon Murphy or um Miles Walker Agbo is pretty he's a project though in a lot of ways he's he's not going to be I don't think he's going to be a great uh scorer he's just going to be a blue collar player down in the paint uh freshman Kobe Barnes from down uh, in New Albany and he's going to be a big contributor this year. Um, he's been he's a versatile threat. He's they've been putting him at the four, um, which is interesting. He has the body to probably pull it off, but he'll be a stretch four. 
Another interesting freshman from Indianapolis is Jake LaRavia, um, and I expect him to play quite a bit this year. Um, he's looked good in, in preseason practices, and another guy who's looked really good is uh, another um, uh, new player, Trey Williams, a forward, and I do expect him to play a lot. And he's had a really, you know, kind of what I like is that he's been able to defend in the paint, and um, you know, a lot of he he. he he really reads passes into the lane well and uh, has getting, done a good job with that. And he can score a little bit too. Not not really large, but he's kind of in the same body mold as Kobe Barnes, um, but should be a decent contributor this year for the Sycamores. Size-wise, not a big team. Uh, Agbo is big, like wide big, um, but he's 6'8". LaRavia is 6'8", and he's the other way around. He's kind of a bean pole. Um, at this point, uh, Bronson Kessinger, of course, he's six seven, um, but he can mix it up in the paint. And Trey Williams is six seven, so no seven footers, but um, you know some guys that they can put in the lane and at least hold their own. Proven shooters, uh, in some ways, the Sycamores have more proven shooting than anybody does. Uh, Tyree Key uh, shot forty four point eight percent from three last year. I think a lot of people forget how good he was from beyond the arc. Um, nice was 37.7%. Williams was 37%. Barnes was closer to 30, but then you look back a couple years ago and he was well into the 40%. So he's capable of shooting as well. So my general thoughts, and it's weird. Um, normally this is an ISU-focused podcast. This is more of a Valley-focused one. So there's probably people out there who know everything there is to know about the Sycamores, and there's other people out there listening who only know him as a visiting team so I'm trying to kind of balance both sides against the middle a little bit um you know but what is known to borrow the you know kind of tiger stripe thing I use for metaphor I use for Valpo is that um you know this is a team that most years demonstrates it has some talent and has some high highs you think back to two years ago when they just destroyed Indiana at Assembly Hall and has some really low lows. Uh, think back to last year, the two losses at Loyola to start the Valley season and the one at Bradley about in the middle of the Valley season, and those were just, you know, just meltdowns. So, you know, it, the the Tiger, the stripes that I think, I think the perception of Indiana State around the rest of the league is just a team that hasn't been able to achieve any kind of consistency and kind of lets down a little bit. And five straight losing seasons are the result of that. Um, and nearly all of those seasons have been just barely under 500. You know, we're talking usually two or three games. So uh, so it's not like the Sycamores have been terrible, um, but they haven't been very good either. They haven't really made a run that makes you suggest that they're going to get out of that, you know, kind of inconsistent uh, morass that they've been in for the last five years. So... Um, and it's inconsistency in every facet of the game. Their defense last year wasn't, there was nothing inconsistent about it. It just wasn't very good. Um, their offense comes and goes as well. So um, that's, you know, whether you agree with it or not, that's kind of the, what I would think the perception of the Sycamores is around the rest of the league. Um, so this team, I think the thing they have to prove, first of all, they need to prove they can defend uh, to have any kind of shot in any of these games. They can't be giving up close to 80 points a game um, but really it's just about consistency of in every facet of what they do uh, whether it's executing offense whether it's ball handling uh, rebounding all of the above 
Um, yes, it starts with defense. Uh, Sycamores can't allow this straight line drives that they allowed last year or the lack of communication to lead to players going uncovered um, in the paint or overhelping. All of that stuff has to improve. But so does, you know, making an act, something as simple as making an accurate pass on a cut. Uh, Sycamores don't always do that, and they need to show that they can do that this year to um, to realize their potential. Because the other side of the coin is, is there's a lot of productive players on this team um, if they can figure out how to balance out the production. So I know a lot of people here in Terre Haute. Um, there's optimists and pe- pessimists out there. They are there always are. The optimists seem to be really op- optimistic this year. The pessimists seem to be very pessimistic. And, of course, um, with Greg Lansing's uh, coaching situation being what it is, with him having this is by the end of this season, he'll have one year left in his contract. Time is of the essence. And coaches don't survive, you know, six straight losing seasons. So I think we all know what's on the line this year uh, for Indiana State. And... Um, this team can be better than sixth place. I think the Sycamores could be anywhere from second to ninth in this league, and none of that would surprise me. It whether they whether they can be second or not just depends on whether they can achieve the consistency that they just haven't been able to achieve the last couple of years. So we'll see. I think there's some there's some good reasons to feel good about what they can do. I do like the fact that Kareem Richardson's on staff, experienced coach. I think he's an upgrade, frankly. Um, but then again, in the secret scrimmages, there's some things that make you worry. Uh, uh, a lot of turnovers, uh, not outstanding defense. So we'll see. Uh, again, I've said this before in other podcasts. I'm not going to, I'm going to be very kind of Switzerland about all this until I can see what they do on the floor. And when I say that, I mean deep into the Valley season. So, uh, we'll see what happens. So that's the Sycamores. Moving into the top half of the league, my fifth place pick, and I do want to say that this was influenced by um, what was going on at the time I picked. I'll get into that in a second, but my fifth place pick is Drake. Last year, Drake was fantastic. I mean, they they were 24-10 and 10 overall, which was well beyond what most people thought they would be. In fact, most people thought it would be the opposite. Uh, along with Loyola, they were co-champions of the Valley, again, Nobody predicted that. Um, the contributors we know, and there's several of them on the Bulldogs. Um, guard DJ Wilkins was a really good addition uh, to the to the Bulldogs. Averaged 11.1 points per game. Forward Tremel Murphy, and we'll talk about him a little bit in a second. Uh, really good player. Um, good physical player, but also can spread the floor. Good for 10.4 points per game last year and 6.2 rebounds. Um, his twin brother, Anthony Murphy, uh, scored at 6.9 points per game last year. Both those guys from up in the region, up in Griffith. Uh, center Liam Robbins didn't play as much last year, but played a little bit. Averaged 4.1 points per game. Big guy. Um, guard Garrett Sturtz averaged 5.4 points per game. Guard Noah Thomas, 7 points. Forward Antonio Pilpovich averaged one and a half, but he's going to play a little bit more this year. Players they lost were significant. Um, Nick McGlynn, um, who really, I mean, you talk about a player in his early Valley years, you know, just kind of seemed like a body. He really developed into quite a player for the Bulldogs, averaged 15.2 points per game last year, and was just kind of a, 
he just uh he was solid he just uh and he was physical and tough and um he looked like ben affleck out there but you know he was but he is he was a hell of a player and he'll be missed another guy who will really be missed and a guy who i didn't think got enough consideration last year for all valley teams and all that was guard brady ellingson um averaged 11.8 points per game last year but a really good shooter uh really smart player and really did a lot to break down opposing defenses i i, I really liked his game last year uh, really good player and another player we never got to see who was contributed to their non-conference um, good start last year was Nick Norton, who had averaged 14 points per game last year and then um, unfortunately hurt his knee in the Valley opener last year. They tried to get him a, 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 a sixth-year waiver, but it was denied. So unfortunately, we never really got to see Nick Norton, but good player when he played, averaged 14 points per game. Uh, all of the new players I saw in on the roster um, that looked like they were going to be impactful are guards. They have Roman Penn, Jonah Jackson, and Joseph uh, Yasufu. I'm going, this is going off of Drake's um, exhibition game. They haven't played yet um, as I record this. They play Kennesaw State tonight, I believe. So they may have other new players that I'm missing out on, but uh, those were the guys I noticed who played um, a decent amount in their exhibition. Size, they have a pretty good amount of size. Um, Robbins is a seven-footer. Um, they have a guy, Brady Ernst, on the roster. I'm not sure if he's going to play much this year, but he's 6'10". And then even though Tremel Murphy is 6'6", um, he's a big physical 6'6", so he could throw his weight around in the paint a little bit, and he'll hold his own. Proven shooting. Um, again, Tremel Murphy shot 41% from three last year. Wilkins was 38.9%. Thomas and Sturts are right at 30, so, you know, they have some guys who can shoot. Um, I mean, what can you say about Drake's journey last year to win a part of the league? I mean, it was amazing. I, I believe I picked them last last year, or maybe ninth. Um, no one saw that coming, and, and why would you see it coming? I mean, when, when Darren DeVries took over, they I don't think they could field a full starting five of scholarship players. That's how decimated uh, they were uh, when he took over. So to turn that situation into a Co-Valley championship is, frankly, one of the best coaching jobs the Valley has seen um, in my time around the league. So, uh, you know, round of applause to DeVries. He, he spent a long time at Creighton. Of course, those of us who have been around the league remember him as an assistant there, and uh, he waited a long time to get his chance, and he took maximum advantage of it. Did a great job up there at Drake. Um, and he also proved that, you know, with the transfer rules being what they are, it's a lot easier to move around than it used to be. Um, and with some good coaching, you can build a team pretty quickly. That should give hope to the Southern Illinois of the world, um, et cetera, and Illinois State. Um, so they're kind of, Drake is kind of the embodiment of what can happen when everything goes well um, in the 2000, the late 2010s version of college basketball. So uh again tip of the cap up there to to drake and uh, what a job they did last year so as far as this year is concerned um you know as i mentioned they lost mcglynn and ellingson uh and they were you know they provided some of the best inside outside balance in the league um and i think one of the big differences that we're going to see this year is last year drake did have the it's a beautiful thing when you can sneak up on teams. And I don't want to diminish what Drake did. They did a great job. Um, but teams are going to be ready for Drake this year. Um, nobody's going to be surprised when they walk into the gym and, uh, you know, 
put forth some quality basketball. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle kind of being one of the big dogs instead of being the underdog. So um, that's always an interesting adjustment. Some teams do it well, some teams don't. And uh, so we'll see what happens with Drake. Now, I will say this. I picked Drake. I changed my pick from what it would have originally had been. I, 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 I write the Athlon Magazine preview uh, for Athlon, the Valley preview for it. And I did have Drake fourth in there. Now, that's written, those magazine previews are written stupid early. I mean, they're written, that one was done by late June is when I wrote it. So um, that was before um, the Tremel Murphy gun charge that happened when I picked the Valley picks, which was in early October um, or late September. So influenced by that, I wasn't sure what, Tremel Murphy's status was going to be, so I moved Drake down a spot because he's such an important uh, part of what they do. Now, we since have found out that Murphy will um, sit out the first five games of the year, so he will be here once Valley play begins, so as, so in a way, um, I almost would revert back to putting him at fourth, but um, if you don't know Murphy, apparently a gun went off at a party, and it, and it, it grazed somebody I think is what happened uh it was an accident it was there was no in, intent to it um but again gun charges are serious and uh and Murphy had to go through the legal process to get that uh straightened out so at any rate he will be playing uh once Valley play starts so um so we'll see I mean uh, Drake can they're perfectly capable of winning the league again too so um, if DeVries can continue to innovate and if the league can't, you know, figure them out this year like they couldn't last year, um, certainly they can do a heck of a lot better than fifth. So we'll see what happens with the Bulldogs. Moving on, my fourth place pick is Loyola. Loyola was 20-14 and 14 last year the, along with Drake. They were the co-champions of the Valley. Contributors we know, not a whole lot, and that's why I have Loyola a little lower than they've been finishing the last two years. The one contributor we know all too well in Terre Haute is uh, center Cameron Krautwig, who uh, averaged 14.8 points per game, 7.2 rebounds. So solid. Uh, so fundamentally good in the paint, good footwork and all that. I mean, I'm a terrible judge of that, but um, you rarely see him out of position or out of step. Uh, fantastic player. He was my vote last year for MVC Player of the Year. Um, he just gets the job done. Kind of an old school type of player, but he's He's so good. Um, guard Lucas Williamson is back, averaged 8.8 points per game last year. Good uh, good defender, good glue player for the Ramblers. Uh, forward, and boy, I'm, oh boy, I'm not going to mess this name up too bad, but Ahir Ujuak. Oh, boy, I think I messed that up. But anyway, he averaged... Uh, forward kind of a kind of an athletic guy averaged 5.8 points per game last year thing i remember about him is i believe he hit 75 percent of his three-point shots against the sycamores last year you couldn't miss both in Terre Haute up and up in chicago last year and his other his i don't know that he made more than one or two against anybody else so a player who kind of haunted the sycamores a bit last year uh, guard Bruno Skakna is back. He's been kind of a utility guy off the bench for the last few years. He's back. So the players they lost, they didn't lose a lot, but who they did lose were, were impactful. Um, Marcus Towns, who averaged 14.8 points per game last year, just an all-around really 
excellent player, a key player on their Final Four team, uh, really good defender, uh, really good at everything. So he's gone, and also guard Clayton Custer, um, who was the key player on their Final Four team two years ago, fell off a little bit last year, but uh, obviously an important player that uh, um, that will be missed by the Ramblers. I'm listing this player under temporarily lost because he's not lost from the program, but I believe he's out for the year, and that's kind of a big one. And it's guard uh, Cooper Kafis, who played well last year as a first-year player, averaged 5.7 points per game, but was a dead-eye shooter. He shot 46.5% from three-point range. Um, don't think he's going to be back this year. He got injured in the, during the summer. Uh, so big loss shooting-wise for the Ramblers. Um, he'll be back eventually, but uh, not expected to play this year. So some new players that they have. A uh, guy who played well in Loyola's opening win over UC Davis was Tate Hall. He's a guard. He's from Greenfield uh, here in Indiana. Uh, so he played well. The guy everybody's excited about is from Chicago, uh, Marquise Kennedy. Um, you know, one of the first really, one of the real, the first fruit of the labor that Loyola got from the Final Four because they attracted some attention from one of their city players. So he's in the fold. Uh, guard Giant Pipkins and forward Tom Welcher, a couple other newcomers who are expected to have some impact. Size-wise, uh, well, Krautwig we know about. He's 6'9", but he's also uh, has some bulk to him. Uh, could certainly certainly difficult to defend in the paint and, and hard to move off the block. Uh, Welch is 6'8", and another guy I didn't mention, uh, Frank, Franklin Agunier, um, 6'9", also a big guy. Not a lot of proven shooters with Kafis going. Uh, Williamson shot 41.3% from three, but that's it. That's the only uh, proven guy they have. So... Um, with the Ramblers, um, you do have to kind of go in faith based on the way they've played the last two years. Um, you know, they they have some contributors back, but typically with a roster that's composed the way this one is, uh, you know, with a lot of new guys having to come in and contribute, you might have them a little bit lower in the pecking order. Uh, you know, with only one double, a very important guy, but only one double-digit scoring player back. But, you know, the Ramblers have built up such a wealth of good faith over the last two years with the way they've played. You have to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. And certainly with Krautwig and Williamson back, those are two good players. And, um, you know, even though they are young, um, you know, you have to, to believe that Krautwig and Williamson are, you know, really solid foundation to build those new guys around. Um, and uh, they help take some of the pressure off of those kids who are coming in and trying to learn the ropes and um, it'll be interesting to see how Krautwig and Williamson handle the mantle of that leadership um, because that is the one big difference that they have this year that they didn't have in the past uh, you know Marcus Towns and Clayton Custer and before them Milton Doyle were the leaders before um, Cameron Krautwig and Lucas Williamson were so now those guys have to step into those roles so we'll see how they do um, there are some question marks with this team. As I mentioned, there's not a lot of proven shooting. Um, and, you know, how will this team be without Brian Mullins on staff? How influential was he? I guess we'll find out. Um, and can this team survive without the savvy and the veteran leadership and the all-everything that Marcus Towns provided for this team? So some question marks around the Ramblers and legitimate questions, but as I mentioned, um, you know, you have to go on faith with this program. They, they've been on a roll. Porter Moser's done a great job um, turning around a program that many thought 
you know, in their early years in the Valley, wasn't going to be able to be turned around. So got to give him a ton of credit. And, uh, you know, of course, with Krautwig, they're going to have a post advantage that the other Valley teams, there's some big guys in the league, but um, nobody that's proven themselves to be as skilled as Krautwig is. And that's a huge advantage going in. There's just not a lot of teams who can match him up on either end of the floor. And um, <clears throat> I think that's going to be um, a big thing for Loyola this year. I do think they've lost a little bit too much to win the league again. Uh, but they're not going to fade away. They're not going anywhere. They'll be in the mix. And uh, Loyola is going to be heard from. So that's the Ramblers. Third place pick is Northern Iowa. Last year... They were 16-18 and 18 overall. They tied. They were in that uh, bunch of teams that tied for fifth in the middle of the league. <clears throat> However, the Panthers have a lot of returning talent coming back. Um, chief among them is guard A.J. Green. Averaged 15 points per game last year. Got better as the Valley season went along. And by the end, uh, you know, somebody who was a top 100 recruit had started to figure things out a little bit. So a uh, very good player that they have three more years to uh to enjoy uh guard trey burhow averaged 7.7 points per game good shooter spencer haldeman is still there seems like he's been in cedar falls for 10 years uh he averaged seven and a half points per game as did luke mcdonald uh, a big guy but a stretch forward type uh guard isaiah brown is back averaged 7.3 guard taiwan pickford is back kind of had an off year last year averaged four points per game but he's capable of better um, big guy Shannon Goldman averaged three and a half. Justin Dahl two and a half. Austin Fife was injured for most last year. Big guy he averaged two point six, uh, but you can expect him to probably get more this year. The only significant player they lost from last year was Wyatt Lowhouse, who averaged ten point three points per game. A couple new guys in the mix: forward Noah Carter, forward James Betts, Betts, excuse me, and guard Antoine Simmons. So. Size in this team, Goldman is 6'10", Fife is 6'9", but a big guy, kind of wide. McDonald's 6'9", but he's the opposite. He's kind of a stretch forward, a thinner type of guy, um, but certainly somebody who has to be accounted for. Proven shooters, there's several. Uh, Berhau was 40% from three-point range last year. Haldeman was 35.4. Um, A.J. Green was 34.8, and Isaiah Brown was... Um, 30% even. So not anybody who's, you know, a dead-eye shooter, but some, but with the way UNI plays, they could spread the floor with a couple shooters at a time, and that's what they try to do. So UNI has been kind of floating in the middle or even the lower half of the valley for the last couple of years, which is uncharacteristic for that program. Um, but with all the returning talent they have and kind of the way they finished the season last year, the vibe I get around that team is that they're ready to get back into MVC contention, which is what we're all used to, you know, w w what we're all used to from that program. Um, you know, the faith in Green is a big part of it. I mean, he's such a talented player, um, smart player most of the time. Um, and, you know, with a year under his belt, he's going to know what to do. Um, he was part of the reason why you and I struggled early in the Valley season last year, but they did win six of their last nine games. And by then, you could tell that Green had a comfort level that he didn't have early in the Valley season, and he was starting to take advantage of that. So you feel like uh, he's going to be able to take it. He may make a, a jump like Tyreek Key did last year. He, he knows what to do now, and uh, I think that's going to be important for the Panthers. 
they also, you and I also has one of the most experienced backcourts in the league. You heard all the names I mentioned. Um, <clears throat> it's not one of the most. It is the most experienced backcourt in the league. So um, so that's big. Uh, you know, you and I likes to spread the floor when they can, uh, and that's going to be um, obviously an advantage for them. With Fife coming back, they're going to have some options in the paint as well. So a lot of good things that, you know, in the mix for, for you and I this year. You know, they, they should be able to achieve with, assuming Fife lives up to his offensive potential, uh, achieve the kind of the offensive inside-outside balance they like to have. So uh, a lot of good thing, a lot of things to like about this UNI team. And, uh, you know, with Ben Jacobson in charge, they're very rarely going to hurt themselves. And with the style of play they have, that kind of deliberate style, uh, it makes you have to play extremely mistake-free on your own end of the floor. You can't get away with shooting 30% against you and I because you're just not going to get very many possessions. So um, puts the onus on them to be productive as well, but I think this team with the experience they have can, can be productive. So I expect you and I to be right in the mix for the Valley title. Uh, I picked them third, and, um, you know, looks like they're starting to get back to where we all think they ought to be. So that's you and I. Let's go to the second-place pick, and that would be Bradley. Bradley last year had an interesting season, uh, 20 and 15 overall. They were among the teams that tied for fifth as well. Um, some very important contributors coming back for the Braves. Um, guard Daryl Brown, 14.8 points per game, 3.2 assists per game, um, outstanding player. Boy, Indiana State really saw the best of him last year. He was outstanding against the Sycamores in both games uh, last season. So, But he wasn't, the Sycamores weren't the only team. He he did it against a lot of different teams. So just a really, really good guard and one of, you know, perhaps the best guard in the league. Uh, forward Elijah Childs, 12.4 points per game last year, 7.8 rebounds. Stats say it all. Um, he can uh he's 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 hard to contend with down in the paint um wasn't always as consistent as he'd like but when he's on he's really good um guard nate Cannell is back 9.3 points per game really good shooter um has given the sycamores a lot of fits over the last couple of years forward coke Barr is back 5.7 points per game big guy uh, athletic guy um, forward Ja'Shawn Henry is back, 4.2 points per game. And then I listed him among returning players, um, but somebody they were excited about last year got kind of dogged by injuries a bit as center. Ari Boya, big guy, uh, 7-1. Only averaged 2.2 points per game last year and didn't play much, but they're expecting him to uh, help out a lot this year. Braves did lose some important pieces, though, off of the NCAA tournament team from a year ago. Um, biggest among them is... Uh, Dwayne Lottier Agunlier, um, who was just a great glue guy, outstanding defender for Bradley, uh, uh, by all accounts a great leader for that team. His presence is going to be missed. Uh, you know, really solid guy for Brian Wardell, and um, and um, you know he's he's one of those guys. His stats don't jump out at you, but his influence does. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do with him um, having moved on. Uh, another guy, forward Luke Von Bray, is missing. He kind of had an uneven Bradley career at times. He was really good. At times he was kind of missing in action, but he's out. Uh, guard Lugman Lundy, who had some postseason heroic moments last year in the Valley Tournament, 
Um, he's gone. Guard Antoine Pittman is gone, and Jaden Hodgson is also gone. So, so they lost some players from last year's NCAA tournament team, even though they also have a significant amount of players back. New guys, um, guard uh, Danya Kingsby started uh, for Bradley against St. Joseph's on Tuesday night at seven points. A few other guys who played all guards, uh, Stephen Gabriel, guard uh, Ville Tavanainen. I think he's, uh, that looks to me like a Finnish name. I'm, I think he's from Finland. Uh, and guard Antonio Thomas. So does this team have size? Boya, as I mentioned, is 7-1 and Coke Bar is 6-11. Proven shooters, they got some proven shooters. Daryl Brown was 44.4% last year. Uh, Nate Cannell was 40.1%. So they're the only team um, that has two 40% three-point shooters coming back. So that's big for Bradley. And, uh, you know, what a year, weird year they had last year. I mean, coming out of, uh, or coming into conference play, Bradley had had a very promising non-conference year. They uh, played well in their in their exempt tournament. They beat Penn State, who was pretty good last year. Um, and then they began atrociously in the Valley. I believe they started 0-5. Um, but then they kind of got their act together, played really well in the second half of the Valley season, and, of course, um, you know, made an outstanding run at Arch Madness to uh, punch their first tournament ticket since back when Marcellus Somerville and company were playing back in 2006. So, uh, heck of a run. And then some silly uh, self-inflicted media uh, feud that happened right before the tournament, which took from the outside perception anyway, took a little, little bit of shine off of their achievement. But then in the uh, tournament, kind of characteristic of their season, it was a relatively respectable exit against a really good Michigan State team. So, you know, it was a, it was quite a roller coaster ride for the Braves last year and one that mostly ended in a positive way. Um, and, you know, because of that, I don't know whether to blame Brian Wardell for them not being more even keeled than they were last year or or praise him for, you know, not allowing a situation that could have gone off the rails a couple times from, uh, you know, putting that team in the ditch. So, um, and in the end, ultimately, they tasted the success that everyone else in the league uh, envies. So it was a happy ending for Bradley. And, you know, and because of that happy ending and the experience they gained from it and the confidence they gained from it, you got to like their chances this year. Um they have high expectations and they're warranted based on, you know, that core, that that kind of trio of Brown, Childs, and Cannell that come back this year. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Brown is just, he just does, he's just, he, he just has such intensity out there at the guard position and such confidence. He just, he, he puts the demand in the opposing defense, you know, that you have to... Um, he's going to challenge you to shut him down. I mean, because he's not going to back down. So you love that in a point guard. And he's, uh, you know, got that, you know, bravado and the confidence that it takes to really be productive at that position. Um, you know, in Childs, you have a dual threat in the post. He can score in, in a bunch of different ways. He can bang down in the paint. Um, and he demands defensive attention. So he's huge. And Cannell is a, is a sharpshooter. And with Coke Bar and 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 Boya, if he's if he plays to his ability, uh, you have some you know some significant players to contend with in the paint. So Bradley is a balanced team. It's kind of the culmination of 
what Brian Wardell started when he came into Bradley and effectively blew the team up. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to be a problem for everybody in the league. Um, what they don't have, as I mentioned, is they don't have their spiritual leader in uh, Laudier Gounlier. And, you know, with his departure went a lot of good defense and intelligent play that he kind of used to settle that team down when they got a little bit out of control. So, um, you know, but that's what new players are for, to step into that kind of role, and uh, we'll see who does that for the Braves. And, um, you know, the Braves actually started poorly. They 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 lost a road game, which is normally forgivable. Road games are a lot harder to win than people think. Um, but you, you, they played St. Joseph's, typically a really good program, but they were picked 13th in the year, 13th in the Atlantic 10 this year. So you would have hoped the Braves would have won that game away. But I'm not going to get too... Yeah, I'm not going to let one game, you know, determine how good I think this team can be. They're going to be in the mix. They may very well win the regular season title. Uh, they are perfectly capable of all of the above. So they very much deserve to be picked second. Um, they just need to be more consistent than they were a year ago, and then they can really do some damage. So the loss to start the season, you know, takes a little bit of shine off things right off the bat. But um, I really think this team is going to be pretty good. So which leads to... My first place pick, which would be the Missouri State Bears, who did win, or who were picked in the preseason poll um, to win the league. Uh, the preseason poll, I want to make this clear, because everybody calls it the media poll, and it is partly the media poll, but it's also the coaches poll, it's also the SID poll, it's also the radio poll. Just so fans know, I always like to kind of be anal about that and, and point that out because it's not just us newspaper guys picking that thing. We're about a quarter of the of the field. So anyway, uh, but most everybody agreed that Missouri State, who was 16 and 16 last year and tied for third place, is the uh, team to beat in the Valley this year. And here's the contributors we do know. And it's not a super long list, but uh, the first name on the list is uh, Tulio De Silva, who averaged 14.3 points per game, seven and seven, close to seven and a half rebounds. And uh, he was a revelation last year for the Bears. I mean, he was um, virtually impossible to defend in the paint. He had such good body control, um, and was just he, he combined that with a toughness that uh, was really, really just difficult to stop. Um, um, you know, he could lean in and get an easy bucket. He could you know knock you over to get an easy bucket so uh, and at times not all the time but at times he could spread the floor and shoot it a little bit so extremely difficult player to defend and uh, really was the catalyst of Missouri State's success last year just a solid player um, also back another solid player guard Keandre Cook averaged 12.8 points per game last year and really the only other significant returner is kind of a utility guy off the bench uh, Kabir Muhammad uh, forward 5.3 points per game uh, but he was a good you know kind of a good good sixth or seventh man to have that, that the Bears had last year so uh, decent contributor Bears did lose some guys um, Jared Dixon who averaged 13.1 points per game last year um, Ryan Krecklow 7.9 points per game primarily a shooter uh, Josh, Josh Webster averaged 7.8 points per game last year and then Obadiah Church, who is, uh, you know, rim protector extraordinaire, uh, never really developed into much of a scorer, but um, was a problem if he drove the lane 6.4 points per game last year. Now, this is the reason 
that why everybody's excited about Missouri State. It's who they brought in. Um, forward Lamont West, who averaged 11.1 points per game last year for West Virginia. Uh, so obviously he was getting the job done in a very good Big 12. Uh, guard Tyreek Dixon, a Middle Tennessee State transfer, averaged 8.4 points per game in his last year with the Blue Raiders, uh, who have been, um, you know, he would have played for Kermit Davis and have been a perennial NCAA tournament team in the last several years. Uh, Missouri State also has guard Josh Hall, a Nevada transfer, another perennial NCAA tournament team of late, who averaged 6.9 points per game in his last year with the Wolfpack. Um, they also have guard Jamonta Black and um, Isaiah Mosley. So some really good infusion of talent uh, to a team that already had some talent. Does this team have size? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, Darian Scott is on the roster. He's 6'11". West is 6'8". Uh, a returning player, Jared Ritter, is 6'8". He played sparingly last year. And then De Silva is 6'8", but pretty physical. So some guys who could do some some uh, move some bodies down there proven shooters not a ton of proven shooting but um, cook shot 37.2 percent last year De silva 37 so um, those are the guys we know about so missouri state kind of breaks the mold for me this year and picking them first because normally um i like to say i'm actually i'm not from missouri but i like to say i'm from missouri and that you have to show me that's something i've said over the years um to various people and um, normally, with a roster comprised the way the Bears roster is, uh, they would have to prove to, you know, all these... I don't necessarily get all hung up on newcomers that have promise uh, because they haven't done it at this, at this level yet. Even if they're coming down from a Power 5 school, there's usually a reason they came down, um, and it's not always a good reason. So... That's usually my MO. Usually I'm like, hey, if you bring in a bunch of transfers, you know, you, you got to prove to me that these guys can play. However, the talent is so overwhelmingly good that the Bears brought in that it's hard to deny what they could do, especially when you combine with the returning pieces they have. Um, so while I'm normally conservative about, conservative about teams that are going to have some... Um, potentially good players coming in look at where I picked Evansville this year that's a good example um, I'm in Missouri State's case I'm willing to let my hair down a little bit and um, you know see what these new guys that they brought in can do I think they could really make Missouri State really good and you add to that and part of the reason that you have confidence in them is what Dana Ford did head coach did in his first season in Springfield um, remember, not much was expected out of Missouri State last year. They weren't picked as low as Drake or Evansville, but um, nobody really had them contending for the league title, which they did up until the last game of the season last year. So, um, so you got to believe in the progress that Dana Ford demonstrated that this team um, made last year, and then you add all these pieces to that, and it's why a lot of people are really high on the Bears. So, <clears throat> um. You know, as I mentioned, you know, it's hard to to look the other way at the legacy of Lamont West, who played, you know, the Big 12 was really good last year. West Virginia, of course, has been a very good program. And then the the um, lineage of Dixon and Hall coming from NCAA tournament-level programs as well. And what a good sign it is that they were transferring into Missouri State from proven programs. Um, that speaks well to of Dana Ford's... 
uh, recruiting capability, as well as him presenting a vision to these players that Missouri State is a place that's itself going to be a potential NCAA tournament uh, regular in his if he sticks around there. So, um, you know, a great sign for the Valley that they were able to bring in some players who have proven themselves um, at a level, you know, at, at programs that have been perennial NCAA tournament teams. So um, now that doesn't mean there aren't questions surrounding this team. Um, can they defend? Uh, can they shoot? You know, Cook is the only proven guard that, you know, Lisa has played in the Valley, and I'm sure West is capable as well, but, um, you know, are they going to have the array of shooters that they had last year? Um, like Drake, and to a degree like Bradley, is this team ready for championship expectation? Um, you know, same same dynamic that Drake faces. I mean, Missouri State isn't going to be sneaking up on anybody this year, so it's the weight of expectation that some teams handle and some teams don't. So uh, you got to believe in the Bears' talent, but um, you know, talent alone doesn't always do it. You have to have your head right too. So uh, certainly, with Dana Ford in charge, I certainly think they're capable of uh, keeping their heads on straight. Now they also lost their opening game at home to Arkansas Little Rock. And, you know, again, I'm not going to go crazy about one loss on opening night that doesn't suddenly make the Bears an also-ran or anything like that. You would have expected them to take care of business at home against uh, Little Rock, who's normally a pretty good team, but, you know, that's a winnable game. Um, <clears throat> so maybe that's a wake-up call for the Bears. But, um, but again, I'm not as in the case of Bradley, I'm not going to, you know, suddenly panic about one loss so based on the returning talent they have especially De Silva who's an outstanding player maybe the best player in the league um, combined with the infusion of talent they have coming in and you know I think Missouri State is a deserving league uh, favorite so um, and it's been a long time coming down in Springfield if they realize their potential it'll be their first NCAA tournament bid since 1999 so fans down there have been waiting a long time it would be good to see, you know, the last few years going down to Springfield, um, you could tell the enthusiasm has dropped. You might early years going to Missouri State. Um, now, granted, that was at the Hammond Center, but uh, that place had a great atmosphere. Hasn't necessarily been the case the last few years at JQH, but um, it would be cool if they could get that thing back going again. So we'll see. So right now, I think they're capable and that they're the favorites to win the league so we'll see if they realize their potential so and that is that um that's my thoughts on the valley uh at this stage of the season hopefully nobody plays this back to me in march and shows me what a moron i am or smart if you want to, if it turns out that way it'll probably be some truth will be somewhere in between so anyway hopefully you enjoyed my thoughts uh we'll be back next week with more of an isu focused down in the valley but uh that's it for episode four. Thanks for listening.